Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run through some of the Apple news that's interesting. We're ramping up to this event. And before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about some Chris things like we do sometimes. So let's just get started by saying a lot of the stuff I'm reading about, it can be kind of depressing just in general for people. Like you see all these statistics just about less, you know, guys going to college and you know, I was watching a TV show. It was like an old TV re- rerun while I was working out with my wife earlier. And it was just depressing because this guy gets fired from work and he's at the job fair or whatever, trying to get hired and how he was having to go through just all these hoops. And he, at the end of the process, he's like, it's a comedy. But uh, he was like, yeah, the wife asked him how to go. He's like, I lost my soul. soul crushing, you know, but he got the job. It's like a septic tank, something or other. And uh Man, I was just thinking it can be so bleak out there if you let <laughs> let uh, all the media coverage, I guess, from the news to just like TV shows and stuff. I think it seeps into people's minds and it can kind of feel hopeless, I think, for some people. So I just want to say from a totally opposite perspective, if you're out there feeling like, you know, <laughs> everything's kind of awful and what are your prospects and what hope is there, you know, for making dreams that you have a reality. I just want to say, look, it's totally possible. Now, a lot of people out there are kind of arguing, hey, the American dream, that doesn't really exist anymore. But I just want to say, you know, I worked my way up. I When I was in college, I think I told you guys this. I had one semester left. I didn't officially graduate because I didn't need to because I, I was very entrepreneurial minded. I ended up getting a job even without that. And for a while at that certain employer, it kind of dogged me. They wanted me to go back, finish, get that degree. They're holding back my pay until I did. And eventually I moved on and and whatever. And, and fast forward many, many years. And here I am running uh, Daily Tech. And it's been quite successful. It's a good lifestyle company. But along the way, I had lots of different little ventures. I started out kind of in the music realm that was really appealing to me. And I've told parts of this story before. And I don't want to go too in-depth today just on this little whim of a subject that I wanted to just get into real quickly. But needless to say, I didn't let my destiny rest in other people's hands ever. I kind of started out having some side projects and and following my passions and my interests. Uh, I very easily could have, you know, just continued kind of on the treadmill. And you know, this little speech here is prompted by, I see a bunch of uh, news articles again talking about younger people, uh, like younger millennials, Gen Z people quitting their jobs because they're holding out for something better. They're seeing other people getting paid more, and they want to get you know better pay, or or they just don't want to go back to the office or whatever it is. Like, so I just want to say it is a hundred percent possible to do your own thing, to not have to be accountable. Well, you, you got you're always accountable to somebody, even if it's just your customers. If you start your own business, but to not just have to have a boss telling you what to do, working towards somebody else's dream. If your intention is to be your own boss, do your own thing here in 2021, heading into 2022, you can absolutely do it because I've done it. I have absolutely done it. It took a while. It took a lot of hard work. Sometimes it was tricky and the bank account was really low before it got more comfortable, you know, but it's completely doable. There are a couple of resources that I could recommend if you are interested in, in starting like a side venture, a side hustle. I really like Founder, F-O-N-D-R, for motivation. You can follow them on Instagram. I think they're on Twitter too. Now their business model is kind of like 
give you that inspiration, but then they'll connect you with some knowledgeable people for some master classes, which they then charge for. But you don't have to get involved in that at all. You might want to because they really have their bases covered with lots of different online businesses that you can do, whether it's e-commerce, you want to sell something through like a Shopify store. There's that information there. If you want to be a content creator, kind of like the route I've gone, there's information about that. But I really like it just for the Instagram stories, just for the for the quotes, the posts, just the mindset shifts. Of course, you guys have heard me mention Gary V on here before. He, he can be motivational too. Often he'll reframe stuff, um, help you think about things a little bit differently. Those are two good resources. And anyways, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole right now. But I do just want to say, regardless of what it looks like everyone else is doing or thinking or saying or telling you you have to do or what it should be like, it is possible to go against the grain and to follow your passion, follow your heart and do something that you enjoy doing if you invest the time into it. Because that's the thing with the internet. It really is kind of the great equalizer, right? Doesn't care about where you were born. If you can get that internet connection, what you look like, get that internet connection. You can start a business and work hard and make things happen for yourself. So this is me just telling you, go chase your dreams and don't let anyone stop you. Let me totally switch it up and uh, just talk a little bit about my desk setup and what's going on right now. So I have switched from kind of a maximalist desk setup with a lot of stuff going on to a more of a minimalist setup. Not really for any reason other than that iPad video that I shot the other day. Well, I guess it's been like two weeks now uh, where I talked about the iPad versus the Mac and how the iPad is... I think this is the last podcast that I talked about. So uh, anyways, for that video, I kind of reconfigured things. I took the ultra-wide monitor out and I, I took a bunch of the stuff. I had that Kensington... I think it was the Studio Caddy for a while uh, on the desk, organizing and charging a bunch of different devices. And I took that off for now. And right now, the only thing sitting on my desk is a MacBook Pro, the 16-inch. I've got the 12.9-inch iPad Pro off to the right. And I've got 12 terabytes of storage way off in the corner. Push it way out of my way. So it's just kind of on the periphery there. Um, Maybe some scattered SD cards from videos and stuff that I've recorded. And that's honestly, that's really about it right now. I spent some time. I just tried to organize the office space. I know I I need to do a tour. I'm just waiting for a few other little things. It's just like it's 97% like ready, presentable. But I feel like I just want to put a few more things in place before I actually do the tour. So I want it to be the full experience for everybody. One thing I need to do is some cable management. You know, I feel like sometimes things are not always realistic. Probably most of the time. When you see somebody's desk setup video and it's just all highly organized and clean and stuff, you know, that's not how it normally is. Because you have to work there. You have to get stuff a little bit messy and dirty to get anything done. So in fact, I think that's what people appreciated about one of the desk setups I did uh, back at my old place when I was like, my desk setup was a huge mess. And I showed like cleaning everything up and the space around the desk. And if you missed that, go check it out because that was like a real worked in desk setup. Although I know people out there can be super organized, more organized than me probably all the time. But that's just not how I operate. And I have to say, I am looking at that new Samsung, what is it? The something Geo, something G9. Is it the G9? I don't even know what it is. It's a gaming monitor, 49 inches, because you know I had that before with the LG. And it doesn't look like it's great for Max. That's why I've kind of held off. It's rather expensive also, but I like the curve. I like that it just (laughs) ensconces you, wraps around, you know, it's like a cockpit. 
And I like having like five windows open at once, full-size windows. I really like that. But there is something to be said about the opposite. And just having just that MacBook there, no external screen with uh, the iPad Pro. And I've been using it with Sidecar and I can't wait to check out Universal Control. I could get my hands on the beta, but I haven't yet. And the reason is because it's an impartial... Impartial, that's wrong. It's, uh, it's not a full beta yet. And what I mean is it only has the Mac side of things, but you can't connect to the iPad yet. So if you're lost here, Universal Control is where you can control up to three different devices with one set of uh, one mouse and one external keyboard. So uh, you might have a Mac, you might have an iPad, and maybe another Mac. I don't know if it works with two iPads. I think it's two Macs and an iPad. You have to initiate it from a Mac. But then if you just move your cursor over to the side of the screen, it will automatically recognize that there's another device over there. And so unlike Sidecar, which turns your iPad into an extension of your Mac, Universal Control, it lets your Mac remain a Mac and your iPad remain an iPad. So this, you know, Mac OS and iPad OS, they're distinct, but you can use them together. So you can drag and drop files between them. No AirPlay required, uh, no Dropbox. And and so it's kind of cool. And it, it, I'm not again. I talked about that in the video, so I don't want to get too into it. But I'm, I'm really wanting to check that out. I just haven't yet because I want to wait until it's the full experience. But all of that just to say, I'm kind of liking this more minimal experience for a change. It's a little lighter and airier. Uh, maybe it's in my head. My head is like reflecting the desk space a little bit. I don't know. Uh, but it feels maybe a little more focused in a way. Isn't that funny? Because I really prefer to have a lot of information in front of me and and whatever at once to glance. But I guess you do end up necessarily, if you just have that one screen there and sidecar or whatever, just more focused. So I do that. And actually, what I really like when I'm editing with the sidecar setup, I have the preview window of my footage open on the iPad over there because Final Cut Pro has a built-in dual monitor system. So you tap the little button and then you can choose... Oh, no, no, I I lied, actually. Uh, the, The default is to have your preview window open on the iPad. So when you're scrubbing around, you know... That preview window just shows you like what you have going on, the edits that you made. So actually, that's what it defaults to. But I have the browser, meaning all the different clips and stuff that I can put into a video, open over on the iPad. And then I've got everything else, my preview and my timeline over on the Mac. And that's been working out really good. I do also like it for writing and research too, obviously, because then I can be writing on one and then have my research open on the other. It is a nice setup without going overboard. The thing that I'm really trying to dial in though is... You know, usually I prefer to use the iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard, but then it gets kind of cluttery to have two keyboards, the Mac keyboard and the iPad Pro keyboard on the desk. I'm kind of at an angle. So I've been experimenting with, you know, leaving that keyboard off to the side somewhere and just using that draft table that I featured a while back as an iPad stand over to the right. And that's pretty cool too. So shifting into a different topic, one thing I've been thinking a lot about lately as we're ramping up to this Apple event is what would make the Apple Watch feel cool again to me. Like what I mean by cool is just more exciting because I feel like it's kind of gotten a little boring. It's gotten very utilitarian, really health focused. Talked about this a lot where I used to cover cool apps for the Apple Watch, but I didn't really do those videos anymore, even though they were really popular. But you're just not seeing those apps out there from developers because there's just not as much of an incentive, I don't think, because of the direction Apple's taken things for people to build standalone, cool, interesting little apps. It's really all about the complications and notifications in terms of app interactions. And other than that, it's really a health device, honestly. 
So as I'm seeing some of these renders of what the next Apple Watch might look like, um, sort of the guessing, I guess, and I don't know how, how good anyone's information is, is that it's going to get sharper edges, kind of like to match the iPhone look, the iPad Pro and the iPad Air look, which is interesting. You know, at least it's a visual refresh. I get that. It might be a little bit bigger, which is mm, okay. That's fine too. I tend to not mind big, giant watches, honestly. I used to like big watches before there was digital watches. Well, not digital, I guess. Before there was smart watches. So that doesn't bug me if it gets bigger. But the main things that are going to get added, it sounds like, every time I hear the rumors, is just more health stuff, more health sensors. You know, good for uh, diabetes, right? Read about your blood sugar levels uh, or whatever. Or I know there's some more blood oxygen stuff happening. You know, and all that stuff, it's fine. It's cool. And I have honestly been getting a lot more out of the Apple Watch just as a fitness device, a health device. I do track my sleep every night with it, except for on the weekends, because I have my alarm set up for Monday through Friday to wake me up. And then I have it turned off on the on the weekend. So I don't track my sleep on the weekends because, yeah, it's nice to take a little break. It's not that it bugs me when I'm sleeping to have it on. But if you're awake, I freaked my wife out one night because it glowed red out of nowhere. The, you know, when I first started tracking it and wearing it at night, and she's like, are you having a heart attack? <laughs> I was like, no, it's just measuring. So that's kind of funny when all the lights are off and it starts glowing red, but you get used to that. But anyways, you know, I've been really hitting the elliptical, the treadmill more. And so the days when I'm not doing any kind of weights, the off days there every other day, basically, then I'll hit the cardio and, you know, try to close those rings. And I, I found that there's, it could improve a little bit because for instance, uh, not every day am I going to push through and hit a ring goal, for instance, because sometimes when I'm exercising, it's, it is the weights. And the Apple Watch, it doesn't understand my schedule. And so it looks at it on the weekly chart and it says, oh, you failed to hit this goal here for your active calories every day. So it assumes that I need to hit that every day in order to maintain that goal. Well, I want that goal that I set, which is obviously... I call it a goal because it's harder to hit, right? I don't set it at something I know it's going to be easy to get. So I try to keep that a little bit harder to reach so that I have something to push for. And then when I'm doing that, I find it to be kind of motivational when it's like, come on, you know, just a little bit further. But I wish that you could mess with the schedule a little bit more. I wish that the Apple Watch understood I'm not shooting for that every single day. It'd be cool if you could just get a little more granular with that and say, look, on these days, I want to hit that. But on these days, I don't. So what would make it more exciting to me? I don't know. And the unfortunate conclusion that I feel like I'm kind of coming to is that I don't know that it needs to be more exciting. It's kind of like it is what it is. And I feel like this happens a lot with categories with Apple is they get something. I don't want to say they perfect something, but they get something so good that what is really going to make it better without breaking it. You think about the iPhones, for instance, like they pretty much are what they are and have been for a long time with things getting upgraded and updated, but no just catastrophic, categorical, enormous changes. And I really talked about that in my iPhone versus Android video, breaking it down. What can you expect between the two every year? And anyways, not to take a trip down memory lane, but you can go check out that video. But you know, same with the Mac, same with the iPad, really things kind of dial in and you to the point where you basically do know what you can kind of expect from stuff. And I feel like the Apple Watch is definitely there. AirPods are kind of there. You get a new kind. We've got the AirPods Pro Max or whatever. Those are great. Those are different. But then those are going to stay pretty similar, you know, now that they're there. 
And so I think the joy of something brand new is going to be reserved for whatever Apple's VR and AR you know, headset or glasses are going to end up being whatever they're doing with the car, you know, these new categories. That's what's going to be super fun and exciting because it's new, but then those will probably stay. Those will get to the point where they're pretty great too, probably, I assume, I hope. And we'll be looking for other categories for that newness. And then it will just be kind of fun still for the iterative stuff as well. But I don't know. I don't know that there's a whole lot that you can really do besides adding a few, you know, making it better at what it already does in terms of the health stuff and just refining that look a little bit. You know, what are your thoughts? I, that's how I feel. I will say my weights that I've been using, they broke. So I've been using Bowflex weights for a while and I've had them for years, actually. And having and using are two very different things, right? But as I've been really trying to get more active in different ways, been going at it pretty good here. So let's rewind. The reason I have those weights in the first place is because when I got them, they were kind of techy and new. And I don't know if it's like seven years ago, but whenever Bowflex came out with their select tech weights, which were the ones where you could dial in for different weights, instead of having to have a whole row of dumbbells, you could just have this one set and change it to five pounds or 60 pounds or whatever, and a bunch of stuff in between. And it was nice. It was space saving. But they also threw a chip in there and some tech and a little screen wasn't color or anything. It was more like a old school Timex watch screen on there. It would like count your reps and stuff and work with the app. And I never used that. I, I did cover it. I made a video out of it. And both like sent those to me for free because I said, hey, can I cover those? And uh, they sent them and I never ended up using that. In fact, the cover, that screen, it fell off because it ran out of batteries and I had to replace it. And, and I don't know, I lost a screw or something. I just used them as dumb dumbbells there for a while. But recently, fast forward here to this last week, and I'm getting more use out of them. And then one of the plates fell off. And then I tried to jam it in. I put it back in the wrong place and it got stuck. And I was like, oh, forget it. You know, these are kind of old. I knew there was a new version out. And so I ended up ordering those, picking those up. And while I was at it, I also picked up the new, well, it's not new. I think it's been out since 2020, but it's new to me, matching, you know, still Bowflex dumbbell. It's like Select Tech dumbbells, the 2080s, if you want to check it out and look it up. And so, that is cool. And I haven't even been able to use it yet. I just got it and got it set up. And I say it's cool in theory, like the design of it is cool because it's the same thing. It's just a barbell. So it's basically a big bar instead of two dumbbells. So you don't hold one in each hand like a dumbbell. It's just a big bar. But you can still rotate and select the different weights and you can expand it. So, you know, as you need it, you can add in some extra weight and. It's cool. It's got a, an interesting design. I, I do appreciate the design, especially when you have a bunch of the products together and got the Bowflex bench as well. But here's the thing. I was a little bit worried. Well, I should, I should back up. We had the car this day when I'm picking these up. I got these from the store because I needed them that night, I thought, but I didn't get a chance to use them that night. It was my workout night, but I had to spend it assembling, which just took all my energy and time. But we had the car and we'd already been to the store. We picked up some plants and stuff some fall plants or whatever. And so the cart was like kind of packed already. And I put the seats down because it has a 60-40 split. I was like, then later I was like, I don't know if this is all going to fit. So I pulled up and luckily it did fit, thankfully. So I didn't have to pay for a delivery, but it was like barely. The big long box for the barbell and then the dumbbell box. And it was heavy. The car probably thought I gained a bunch of weight there for a second. Man, I got home and I'm trying to assemble this thing. And the directions are surprisingly vague and actually pretty bad. I hate to say that. I really have liked these products over the years. And isn't it kind of funny? Like the one broke on me and I immediately went and got the same thing, you know, after it broke. I saw that some other companies have similar weights now 
freaking dial in, but some were like more expensive. And, and plus, I did want some stuff to match. I just did. I wanted it more aesthetic down there. Anyways, I'm getting it going. I'm pretty sure I know how to do this. I've read the directions and I put the bar in there and it just won't line up. And it was so frustrating. I probably wasted two hours just. It's hard to even describe, but you're supposed to like leave the two ends where the weights sit a little bit loose so you don't screw them down all the way and set the bar in and get it lined up and then tighten everything up so that every time you put it down and, and take it out, it's just perfectly synced up. But one of the sides just would never, ever work. And there was a troubleshooting section and it said, refer to step six. There was no step, you know, in the actual booklet of whatever the troubleshooting section was looking at. And there's no videos online. Like I was just looking for the Bowflex video that shows me how to assemble. They don't have it. They have a bunch of videos on like the workouts that you can do. And there was a couple unboxing videos. It's, you know, I would assume that for every vertical, kind of like what I do with tech stuff or Apple stuff, that there's somebody out there dedicated to it, covering every single angle or multiple people. And I didn't find that with this product. I feel like it's actually a market opportunity for somebody to just go all in on like Bowflex stuff. You could really make a killing, I think, if that was your main topic. Speaking of, you know, the very beginning of the podcast, opportunities, you know, making your own business, this would be a great one because there was nothing there. And I was looking for this information. And if I had connected with somebody who was really awesome, with a YouTube channel or whatever format you want to go with, TikTok or a podcast or, you know, a blog or, or a newsletter. I mean, I would have stayed with that person. You know, I would have subscribed to their stuff, but no one was out there. Some really not super great unboxing videos. And he would just skip the steps. He'd be like, okay, here's this. And I'll be back with you in a second when it's together without saying like, how did you get it together? Anyways, what I ended up having to do is it had uh, these things on the bottom, kind of like feet that you could screw up or down to kind of even it out. And the weights just, they weren't connecting just right. So I don't know if my basement floor is just a little slopey or something. I don't know. It must have been like imperceptibly because sometimes it would latch, sometimes it wouldn't. And I had to screw one of the sides up a little bit so that gravity could pull the weights in just perfectly to get it to go. And that's nowhere. You know, I just had to figure it out, like the physics of it just through trial and error. And that was not cool. But now that I've done that, everything latches perfectly and stuff. And I think I'm really going to enjoy them. But that was a super huge pain. And by the way, I should mention the tech aspect has basically disappeared from these products, this product lineup. So no longer is there an app or something from Bowflex, I don't think, because the sensor's not in there, the screen's gone on these uh, new barbells or the dumbbell to count your stuff, you know? So you can use, I think they have an app that will like show you the workouts, but there's no actual tech involved really, aside from just the mechanical switching of the weights, you know? So it's funny how things change. And the last thing I'm going to say about it is I'm still kind of considering the Peloton bike. There's something about it that appeals, you know? I don't know what, honestly, but you're joining the Peloton club, you know, like someone was like, hey, you could start a group for daily tech fans. We could all race and, and work out together virtually and stuff. And there's like a leaderboard. And I don't know, that, that could be fun, right? But also, I was kind of doing some research. And now that I have so much Bowflex, I was like, well, you know, I know there's a Bowflex bike. Let me check it out. And so I did. It's like half the price. I don't know, really. I can't tell you since I haven't used it if it works better or not. I know Peloton just had a big recall too, which is kind of mm, makes me think. But needless to say, you can get like the Peloton app for half the price or something or less than if you subscribed because it's like 40 bucks a month if you do the Peloton app, I think, through their actual, you know, the screen, the experience on the Peloton bike. 
Uh, someone can correct me, but so you can get the Bowflex bike for like a thousand bucks instead of two thousand. And you could use an iPad with the Peloton app for like 20 bucks or something. It's way cheaper. But then you miss out on some of the other data and shared or, or different profiles and stuff for different family members. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do with that. I'm still kind of leaning towards the Peloton, actually. If one of these days, if I get it, I'll let you know. Okay, let me switch. I uh, bookmarked a few interesting stories this week and I just want to run through them kind of quickly. I don't want to take super long. There's an interesting article that said Apple wins a patent for a MacBook with an integrated biosensor in the palm rest to measure your health conditions. And what was the other thing? Oh, Apple also patented a flexible rollable display. So we we're just kind of talking about you can kind of know what to expect from Apple products when they come out. And except for brand new categories, it's pretty predictable. And some would say boring. But I just every now and then I like to highlight and I let myself look at these kind of super rumor type of things. Sometimes they're patents. So it's like really something Apple's looking into. But of course, patents don't equal that's going to get into a product, right? It's just Apple thinking about stuff and they want to patent it so they can use it. But it doesn't mean that they are actually going to get it out in a product. But I like to highlight these things every now and then and think about them myself. Because like, if it does feel boring, you can know that Apple is working on some more interesting things. Now, I don't know that I need to kind of cross the functions between my Apple Watch and my MacBook with a biosensor that's going to monitor health stuff as I'm typing. It's interesting, but you know why have an Apple Watch then, right? Unless it's going to do something totally different. But it's interesting, <laughs> and, you know. And what led somebody to think about that? I'd like to know that too. But a flexible rollable display—that's interesting because I've been thinking a lot lately. I told you guys this: what it solved, what problem is solved by having a foldable phone? I think Apple, if they do do a foldable, and it sounds like that could be coming down the pipeline. I think it's probably more likely to be a flip type of device. Now, I don't have any inside information, but I was looking at that new Samsung Fold and you know, it kind of folds the long way so that it folds out into kind of a tablet, a mini tablet. I'm not sure that that solves anything. It just is something different. It's a different form factor, but what problem is solved? I feel like Apple would fold their iPhone the long way in half, like the form factor that it is, let it crunch in on itself. Is it the long way? Am I saying that right? Like the part with the notch that would fold that down to where the chin is. I feel like that more flip factor is more likely than folding out into a tablet. And probably for kind of the same reasons that I talked about in the Mac and iPad video saying like, why don't some of those features cross over more? And talking about those three categories of devices that Steve Jobs talked about when he launched the original iPad. Well, you know, for better or worse, Apple's a, a business. And if they are adhering to that, which I don't know if they are, but if they are, then they probably aren't likely to create a phone that folds into an iPad. I'm guessing maybe the way they've been behaving over the last decade tells me maybe not, because then you're erasing one of the product categories. <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe they'll keep the phone, the phone and still fold it. And maybe it'll just take up less space in people's pockets or purses. I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about Apple chips. Um, if you've ever wondered, you know, the M1 versus the M2, or if you've been hearing about M1X, what's the difference between all of these? Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So we're starting to see the rumors about the M2 chip, an upcoming processor that could succeed the M1. But what would be different? And then we've also been hearing about the M1X. And is that going to be a successor or is it going to live alongside the M1? Let's talk about all this. First of all, 
just so you know, there's no confirmed information about the M2. Okay. Nothing confirmed by Apple. But when we talk about an M2, we're talking about something that would replace the M1. So completely next generational versus an M1X, kind of like you get an iPhone, whatever S, you know, it's more of a just a smaller bump. And so that is something that I think we're expecting to see probably in the next Max that are announced. It could be here in September. I'm getting really excited. I think this event could be like really cool in terms of all the stuff that gets announced. But that would probably, an M1X would probably live alongside M1 chips out there. So maybe you could buy something that has a little extra oomph, a little more power. Or if you want to save some money, you think you're covered, you can still just get the original M1. Now, Mr. MCK, if you read a lot of news, you'll probably know who I'm referring to. He's an analyst. He's saying he's guessing that these M2s could arrive in like mid-2022. So a ways out. And just so you know, the M1 chip, that launched back in November 2020. So that kind of tells you how long of a wait we would be thinking about between the two. That said, it's very possible that the next MacBook Air, or I just say a MacBook Air, could be the first laptop to feature the M2. Now, it's expected that Apple's going to launch some new Macs before the end of this year, before the end of 2021, but not with the M2. So the Macs that we're thinking are, are going to be launching are probably like the 14-inch, the 16-inch MacBook Pros, perhaps. If you think about it, that M1, it debuted in a MacBook Air back in 2020. So it kind of makes sense from a timeline perspective to see the new one be the first to get the M2. And also, I think there's a, a logic to Apple doing that because somebody like me who is going to trend towards getting the Pro, when I see a MacBook Air, let's say I get the M1X MacBook Pro and then the M2 is out, but it's only in an Air. Does that make me want to upgrade? Well, kind of. It's frustrating, but not really, right? I want that in a Pro again. So Apple's very strategic. And why wouldn't they be about what they're releasing these new chips in and the timeline? I've seen some news talking about some FCC filings about a new MagSafe charger ahead of this iPhone 13 event. And now that's kind of interesting. I do have, I picked up a couple of those chargers. So we're talking about the little pucks, a uh, little hockey puck on a, on a string, <laughs> the cord there, you plug the cord in and then it just magnets onto the back. That's the MagSafe charger. Uh, we have a couple of those around the house because they are convenient. If you're not worried about speed necessarily and you just want to charge something overnight, you know, I got one, we often use it out in the kitchen, obviously in the bedroom, in my office. And elsewhere, I have some other things because I have some like dual charger things with wireless charging mats or, you know, those tend to work pretty good for that. But I do have a couple of these MagSafe pucks. So it's interesting because if new ones are coming out, I'm wondering what's going to be better. They're already okay. They're pretty good. They're good enough for me to grab two for the family. So here's the way that one article describes it. It says, current MagSafe charger, which launched last year alongside the iPhone 12, has the model number A2140. This is how we know there's something new. The new model is identified as A2548. And according to the documentation, it's designed to work with different devices. Mm -hmm. The charger was tested with four new iPhone units that are believed to be iPhone 13 variants. And anyways, it's funny because the way that it describes the iPhone 12s, it describes them as legacy phone models in the filing. Isn't that funny? So basically, reading between the lines, it's kind of suggesting the filing that 
these new chargers were are probably going to work with the legacy 12s, but they're really made for something new, these 13s. But how and why does that work? And, you know, that's what's going to be interesting. I feel like this is the kind of detail that once the event hits and, you know, I'm going to be covering, I told you like what my setup usually looks like when I'm covering these events, how crazy it gets. But I feel like when I'm looking at uh, the part of my video that's going to talk about the stuff that you missed, this is the kind of feature that slips under the radar because everyone concentrates on the cameras and, you know, there's just a certain set of features that are going to get talked about to death. And then there's going to be some other stuff that it's in the fine print or it was just in the back of a slide and you really had to dig through and notice something. And I feel like something related to the charger, this is going to be like one of those kinds of interesting announcements. Sometimes it's more interesting because everyone watches the event. Everyone gets the same information. But then if you're really thoughtful and think about some of the other things, you can find some other really fun features that just weren't headliney enough to make it into the video, the official presentation, but that really makes a big impact on your setup. It's also possible that the third gen AirPods, there's been rumors about new AirPods for a long time, just like the base level AirPods could make use of this as well. Maybe it's redesigned for that also, for this MagSafe charger, magnetically. One final thing to mention, I I saw an interesting story about that solo loop band for your Apple Watch. Um, Somebody on Reddit posted a picture of it ripping. You know, this is interesting material that it's made out of. It seems really, really, really durable. I've got a, a solo band or two, I think. I haven't been wearing them much recently. Listen to this, right? I've got the, uh, whatever the Velcro band is on right now. I switch it up every, I wear something for like a month and a half and then I get bored of it and I switch it up. But anyways, I've never had any trouble with my solo loop and I've worn it pretty extensively. And it's just weird to see so much wear on there. And it's funny because the picture of the watch, the watch looks pretty dinged up and dented up above that rip itself. So I don't know how accurate that is because again, it's so durable. I suppose you could probably cut through it with scissors or something if you wanted to. But I mean, you'd have to be pretty deliberate about trying to destroy it. And this guy's Apple Watch, um, he's got the blue band with the blue watch. It's clearly got some chipped paint or something right above where it ripped. So... I just haven't had that experience. In fact, all my Apple bands have been very, very durable. Well, <laughs> durable, um, the leather loop, whatever the leather one is with the magnets that was, is the redesigned one, that one's shown some wear because I wore that forever. It's my favorite, that poppy color. I had a matching iPhone case there, the leather. And uh, unfortunately, it just got really worn, which is good. And it, But it's not like patina on like your wallet where it's like you like it. It was like, oh, it just doesn't look good anymore. And so unfortunately, I haven't worn that one much. But it's still intact, though. It's just more of the finish is worn off. But I was really surprised to see this. I guess there's quite a discussion going on about it. And people are saying that it stretches out over time. Because this is the one that it doesn't adjust. Like you have to print out that little measuring thing and put it around your wrist. Make sure that you get the right size. You don't want to get it too big because then your watch is going to slide around. And it's a big pain. So this is the one where you measure and you get the right size. And then you just kind of slip your hand through and it fits. No adjusting needed. But people are saying that they've had their stretch out and that it kind of develops what they describe as like a cut or a crack or I guess kind of a micro tear. And someone was like, I'd replace it, but it's too expensive. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to get the standard support band. It's not as comfortable, but it gets the job done. Someone, a Brazilian YouTuber, I guess named March Will, they said that they had a similar issue in their band. He says, or they say, it literally cut in half. I I just can't believe it. I I don't know. It must really have... uh, 
something to do with where it's made. I know Tesla's, people say the Tesla's made in China are of higher quality than those made elsewhere. Maybe it's like that, or maybe it's just the kind of work or, or activities that people are doing. I don't know. It's weird though, isn't it? All right. Uh, that's it for this episode, I think. I hope you enjoyed hanging out. Don't forget, whatever it is that your dream is, don't be afraid to do it. It's almost like sometimes people need permission. I found like that too sometimes. Like you just need somebody to tell you, like, go do it. I was trying to tell somebody who runs an Apple blog, I was like, hey, your, your information is so interesting. You should consider getting into YouTube. And I know that they've started a podcast recently. And it's not for everybody. So, you know, some people just don't want to be on camera, but I know they could kill it. And I think a lot of life is just about confidence, you know, believing in yourself. You could wear the ugliest clothes, but act like they're amazing. And it's all about the attitude, how people will perceive you. Be like, oh, that's fashion then. How that happens all the time, right? <laughs> and uh, if you're ever like lacking confidence, sometimes you just need somebody to tell you, no, you can do it and do it. And so I just want to say, like, go do it. All right, that's it for this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next video. Later. <laughs>